Well, good morning again. It's good to be with you here in this place in this third week of your series Creed. And and it's interesting when you begin to dissect how a series comes together. In week one, we talked about God the Father Almighty. We believe in God the Father Almighty. That was the first week of the series. And everyone's like, yeah, we all believe in God the Father Almighty because God's up there and we're down here and, and that's great. We can think of God as this objective reality that's there in our world, um, but doesn't have a whole lot of influence over you and me. And then week two, you talked about the Son, Jesus Christ, um, and the Son of God. We're like, yes, we believe in the Son of God because it's there in the scriptures. Our faith rests in Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, and that all happened in the past, and that's great. And everyone's comfortable talking about God and talking about the Son of God. But then you get to week three of the series, and it gets kind of uncomfortable, right? Because today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is, as we understand it, active and alive and moving in the world, which means that the Spirit of God can mess with us. (laughs) And you and I don't like being messed with, right? We don't like our lives being intervened in because as far as you and I are concerned, at least as far as I'm concerned, I've got a pretty well laid out plan for how my life is supposed to go and was supposed to look. I knew this when I was in college. I knew how my life was going to look. I was going to go to college, I was going to get a degree, and then I was either going to go to medical school or I was going to go to law school. But there in the midst of my plans, God's spirit moved and my life was interrupted. And we don't like interruptions. And so in the church, we are very comfortable talking about God, the Father Almighty, because he's up there. And we're very comfortable about talking the Son, Jesus Christ, who's this historical figure in our past. But we all get a little uncomfortable when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Some of us are worried if we're going to raise hands during the worship service this morning. If you feel so compelled, please do. Or don't. (laughs) Some of you are worried about if we're going to talk about speaking in tongues or other manifestations of the Holy Spirit in our worship and in our world, and we're not going to talk about that so much this morning. But we do generally think of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our worship together. We think about the Spirit moving as we sing and as we pray and and as the Word of God is proclaimed. But I believe that the Spirit of God is moving and active in in ways that are much larger than just in worship, in ways that interrupt our lives. And I hope this morning to help you see some ways that God desires to have his Spirit be a part of your life and a part of your faith. So let's take a moment and let's pray for God to move among us today, to bring us transformation. Lord, we thank you that in all things that you are present as our heavenly father. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, for his life, his death, his resurrection that changed the trajectory of our lives. And Lord, we especially thank you today for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which gives us power, boldness, strength, and the opportunity to live life to its fullness. So Lord, we offer ourselves to you this morning, praying for your transformation to come among us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 
in the Bible, there are two words for the Holy Spirit or, or what we understand the Holy Spirit to be. In the Old Testament, there's a word called ruach, which means the Spirit of God. And that, that word's literally translated as a wind or a breath. So in Genesis 1, when we read that in the beginning, that the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters, um, what you actually have there is God's ruach is, is over the waters. In the New Testament, there's a different word that's used for the Holy Spirit because it's Greek and not Hebrew. So we have the word pneuma, uh, like think like pneumonia, which has to do with breath, right? It's air, it's, it's a blast of breath, a strong breeze is how we translate the word pneuma. So the Holy Spirit is like the wind of God. Sometimes it comes as a gentle breeze and other times it comes as a mighty rushing wind full of power and presence. And like the wind, the Holy Spirit of God, it, it can't be controlled and it can't be contained. Have you ever tried to catch the wind? You can't do it. You can feel the effects of wind. You can experience a cool, gentle breeze. You can experience a huge gust of wind. You can see trees fall and buildings collapse because of the power of wind, but you can't contain it and you can't control it. The spirit moves of its own accord at times in powerful and mighty ways to encourage and strengthen us and sometimes in soft and gentle ways to comfort us and to bring us restoration. In the Old Testament, we see the power of the Spirit working in countless different ways. The Holy Spirit one time gave Joseph the skill to be the ruler over Egypt. The Holy Spirit gave the words to the prophets to speak over God's people. One time the Spirit of God came upon Gideon and he led God's people into battle. In 1 Samuel 10, 6, it says there that the Spirit of the Lord will come over Saul in power and that he will prophesy with this other band of prophets and he will be changed into a different person. The spirit of God in the Old Testament is powerful, even life transforming. In the New Testament, we see the power of God through the Holy Spirit everywhere. In fact, Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter one says that when Mary wondered how this could be, she asked a question, how could this happen to me? How, how will I conceive? I'm just a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of God most high will overshadow you. When Jesus gave his life for our sins on the cross, the Bible says that the Son of God was raised from the dead again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And before Jesus ascended to heaven, he promised his followers that he would send them the gift of the Holy Spirit, a comforter to go with them and to strengthen them. The text you heard read from Acts 2 this morning is the first movement of the Holy Spirit among God's disciples. It says there that when the, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly, like the sound of a violent blowing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. That's the disciples. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues other, in tongues as excuse me, in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
And then Peter stands up with this boldness that could come from no other place besides the Holy Spirit moving inside of them. And he begins to defend what's happening. He begins teaching the people who are gathered there in Jerusalem for Pentecost. He, he tells them with boldness what God has prophesied and what God is doing. He says in the last days, that God will pour out a spirit on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. By what power will this happen? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I wanna share with you four distinct gifts, four distinct things that the Holy Spirit wants to give to each and every one of us in this room. First, the Holy Spirit wants to give you the power to share Christ boldly. The Holy Spirit wants to give you, and you, and you, and all of you, the power to share Christ boldly. Look at the words of of Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. In other words, I'm not the best speaker around. I'm not the best preacher around. You've met people who are better than me, Paul is saying. But my message came with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest in men's wisdom, but instead on God's power. He said, I'm not the most eloquent speaker around, but when you saw me show up, the power of the Holy Spirit was there in a way that you had never seen before. And that's what gives me the strength to speak. I think if you go back and you look at Peter's address to the crowd at the day of Pentecost, Peter would say the power in that moment was not because the the disciples had been gathered together praying or that that he suddenly um, felt like it was time to say something, but that the Spirit urged him and empowered him and gave him a holy boldness to stand up and speak out to the crowd that had gathered there in Jerusalem. The power came from the Holy Spirit. And now, I'm not saying this morning that the Holy Spirit only speaks and only moves when we preach, but it moves truly any time that we share about God. You know, it takes a strength that we sometimes don't possess to put together the words to pray for a friend who is sick or who is dying. It sometimes takes strength that's beyond our, our own power to share your faith at school or share your faith at work. It takes a boldness to stand up in the face of injustice and that strength and that power and that boldness, it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit working within us, saying to us, this is your moment. This is your opportunity to be used by God. The Holy Spirit, God desires that we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would have the ability to share Christ boldly. Second, the Holy Spirit gives you power when you are weak. Now, this is going to speak to some of you this morning. He'll give you power when you are weak. Romans 8, 26 says, in the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, how does it help us in our weakness? Well, too many ways to count. I don't know if you've ever been at the end of your rope. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever faced a diagnosis that you thought um, would doom you. I don't, I don't know if you've ever 
been in a situation where you thought there was no way out, but there is this power that comes in those moments when we turn our hearts and our lives toward God and say, God, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what I need to make it through this moment. When we do that, there is this power that comes to us through the Holy Spirit and encourages us and helps us realize that we have more than enough in Christ Jesus our Lord. That there is peace in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of the storms that happen in our life. The Holy Spirit even prays for us when we are weak and we don't have words to pray. The Bible says we don't even know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit itself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. The Spirit meets us in our weakness and gives us strength. The Holy Spirit is strong where you can't be strong. It gives you grace where you don't have the ability to stand. The Spirit helps us and gives us power in our weakness. Now you might be a parent going, I don't know what to do with these kids. They are too much. Have you met my four-year-old? There are moments in my life where Dealing with Lily Grace is just too much. <laughs> you know what we should do in those moments? What I found myself trying, trying to convince myself to do in those moments? It's not so much God give me the patience to make it through this afternoon. It's God, I pray God give me the wisdom by your spirit to be wise in this situation. God give me your wisdom through your Holy Spirit to do my best for this little girl. You might have a presentation coming up at work or, or at school and you're thinking, I'm the worst in front of people. Whenever I stand up, my voice starts to shake and my heart starts to meet and I start sweating and my face turns red and I get all splotchy. I don't know if that's you. Maybe it's just me. Um, maybe in that moment when you feel at your weakest, where you feel like you can't do this, maybe in that moment, instead of saying, God, help me get out of this, you say, God, help me get through this by the power of your Holy Spirit. All too often we want deliverance when God wants to give us the gift of endurance, give us the gift of strength so that we can make it through the circumstances that surround us in life. We should ask the Holy Spirit when we're weak so that we can be made strong. Maybe you have sin in your life that you just don't seem to be able to overcome and you've been sort of digging at it with a, a spade trying to pry the brokenness that's inside of you out of yourself and it's, it's not really working. And you find yourself saying, I just can't not do this. I just can't not think that. I just can't not act this way. Maybe instead of trying to conquer the sin and brokenness that's inside of yourself by your own power, you should tap into the power of the Holy Spirit that can overcome any circumstance and every situation that can give you strength in the midst of your weakness. Look at what the Bible says. Even in even 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, Paul, he's complaining about this thorn, this affliction that he has in his life. He prays, God, take it away, take it away, take it away. And God's reply to him is that my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so Paul says, there I, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. For where I am weak then, I am made strong. 
Some of you, you've been in those places where you're at the end of your rope and you feel like you have no place to turn and when you find yourself there, cry out to God because God's desire is that the spirit of God would give you strength in the midst of your weakness. So it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I have the boldness to proclaim Christ. It's by the Holy Spirit that we find strength in the midst of our weakness, which brings us to the third thing that the Holy Spirit gives us. The Holy Spirit gives us power to have hope in a hopeless world. In Romans 9, 15, 13, Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna read that again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Most of us in this life, we have about, about this much hope. We have a handful of hope that we walk around with. And that handful of hope gets us through, you know, bad Mondays and, you know, coming back to to work after spring break. It gets us through children being sick. We We have this much hope and we think that that's all that we need in life. But God's desire isn't that you would have a handful of hope. God's desire is that your whole life would overflow with hope. That every single inch of you would be filled to the top with hope. Hope that can only be attained by a relationship with Jesus Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit. We walk around with limited hope and what God wants to give us is unlimited hope. We run from place to place and from thing to thing saying, maybe this can give me the next little bit of hope that I need when God says, why don't you just turn to me? I have all the hope you could ever want and even more. In fact, I have so much hope that as you're filled up, that hope will pour out into other people and onto other people and they'll begin to want the very same thing, a relationship with me. So their lives can be filled with hope. Our hope is limited because we choose not to put our hope in an unlimited God. The good news is, though, if we pray and we ask God for hope that overflows and abounds in every part of our life, that God will give it to us. But it requires us to turn our hearts and our lives toward him and to ask for it. God wants to give you unlimited hope. So if you're hurting today, I pray that you would hear this next verse, or this verse we've already said this morning. If you're sick or you're broken or you feel like you're at the end of the rope, know that God desires for you to overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the fourth thing that I want to show you today is that maybe the most, unquestion- most unquestionably the most important is the Holy Spirit's desire is that you would experience all the fullness of God. When we allow our faith to only be based in uh, a relationship with a distant God who reigns from on high and, and with a historical figure from the past, we limit the fullness of God in our lives. God wants to interrupt your life and disturb you and make you uncomfortable. Not for the sake of making you uncomfortable or interrupting you, 
but so that your life can overflow with hope, so that your life can be transformed and make a difference in the world in which you live. See, so many of us, we've reduced Christianity to its lowest common denominators. Basically, Christianity for so many people is, yeah, I believe in God, and yeah, I believe that Jesus did this thing in the past, and I can check the box there, and I've been baptized, check, and I joined a church, check, and I read the Bible every now and again, check, and, and maybe that's kind of a lot, and, and I really try to be a good person. I'm checking that box off too, but that's not what God desires from you. What God desires is for you to come alive. And the only way that we can come alive is to allow the Spirit of God to move inside of us in real and powerful ways and transformative ways that redeem every single part of our lives. When you look at the lives of so many Christians, what you see is something that really doesn't look much different than the rest of the world. They're still hurting, they're still addicted, they're still filled with worries, they're still broke, they're still struggling, they're still struggling in their marriages, there's no real faith, there's no real victory. Why? Because there's no power. Because yes, they've joined a church, and yes, they've been baptized, and And yes, they read their Bible some, but they haven't allowed the Spirit of God to move inside of them. The Holy Spirit gives us power to experience the fullness of God. So Paul prayed for the believers in Ephesus, and I want to pray this for us this morning. He prayed, I pray that out of his glorious riches that God may strengthen you with power. Power from where? From the Holy Spirit strengthen you in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Why? Because you need this power, that you may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses the knowledge, surpasses the knowledge that you may fill to the measure of all fullness of God because God's desire is that you would live a life of peace that passes all understanding, a life full of love, a life full of joy, a life full of peace, a life full of patience, a life full of kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, that you'd live a life that's led by the Spirit so that you can walk by faith and not by sight, so that you can walk with joy that's unspeakable and live with supernatural strength, so that you can be rooted and established in the love of Christ, and you could never have that on your own or by your own power. All of that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. So this morning as we come to the table of God's grace, we're gonna invite God's spirit to move among us. As we pray over the bread, we pray for God to pour out his Holy Spirit on us gathered here. What might that mean for you today? For God's spirit to be poured out in your life in a real way? What difference might the Holy Spirit make in your life if you allow it to in these moments? I'd remind you this morning that you don't have to be a member of this church or any church to come to this table. It's a table of God's grace. It's a table where transformation happens. It's a table where we experience in a real and powerful way the presence of God among us.